afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Entitled Art Podcast, recorded live at the 12th edition of Entitled Art in Miami Beach. Digital empowerment and art gallery innovation is presented and moderated by Lisa Howie, founder of Atlantic Art House, featuring Lisa in conversation with Gail, Gail Monin and Rosie Gordon-Wallace. These three women have such diverse backgrounds and collectively represent almost 100 years of experience working in galleries and museums, not to mention their significant understanding and leading expertise of the Caribbean, Mid-Atlantic region and its diasporas. Our panelists will be discussing their art gallery journeys vis-a-vis -vis working in the digital age and how each has developed concepts, overcome challenges and shaped innovative pathways to entrepreneurial growth. Lisa Howey has over 25 years of education and community engagement experience, following successful tenures as an educator of English literature, then director of education and programming, and executive director of the Bermuda National Gallery. In 2019, Howey launched Black Pony Gallery, which presents a perspective on the contemporary art world of the Caribbean Mid-Atlantic by featuring emerging to establish artists who reside in the Azores, Bermuda, Cayman, Cuba, the Bahamas, and Turks and Caicos. And there's so much more I can say about your career, Lisa. So I'd like to hand the mic off to you to get us started here and further introduce yourself and our panelists today. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to Untitled to receiving my proposal. Because as um, an art fair, asking an art fair, hey, can I speak on your panel? Um, I was delighted that they were receptive. And this is the collaborative spirit, I think, that continues to define the contemporary art moment and where we're really going and growing and how the world will be a better place for working together. Collaboration is my number one business value and I am so pleased to be able to feature artists from the, ar the archipelago of the Caribbean and then also to extend the idea into the Atlantic and this project is very much at the heart of what I'm doing which is to really shift the paradigm around perceptions and considerations of the Caribbean, that the geography of it actually ends up excluding certain islands and spaces. However, if we reconsider the maps 400 years ago, they didn't actually identify that location, right? And Bermuda would not have been excluded from the narrative of the Atlantic. So in a very selfish way, I have cultivated projects that are intentionally ensuring that Bermuda doesn't get cut out, nor, nor the Azores, for example, or other islands in the Atlantic and the entire expansion of consideration of what can be described as pan-Caribbean. I am so thrilled to have my partners here beside me, and I call them my business partners because, you know, really when we think about galleries working in the space, perhaps we are competitors. But when we're featuring artists and so much talent, none of us overlapping. We're not really competitors, we're family, we're community. And what I found so beautiful and pleasurable when I was able to develop the Atlantic World Art Fair online with Artsy was I had the wonderful opportunity to meet my colleagues, even though I wasn't with them in their buildings or in their homes or their offices, but able to connect with them. And so the beauty and the power of the Atlantic World Art Fair has led to this wonderful opportunity for me to meet Vanessa Zelk. Vanessa, please wave. Vanessa and I were introduced by Suzanne Frederick, who was not able to be on our panel today, unfortunately. And I do want to give a shout out to Susie Wong Presents. Her gallery is also a digital platform, and she should have been here with us today. 
but it's as a result of Susie and Vanessa meeting in New York uh, in May, gosh, just a few months ago, um, that she introduced she and I, and it's led to us to develop this new brand called Atlantic Art House, where I have taken Atlantic as the geographical space of importance and art house from her Toucan Art House, already living a beautiful product. And together we've merged to create a new entity called Atlantic Art House. We got the keys on the Villa Paula in Little Haiti on Wednesday at 10 a.m. And yesterday at 11, we opened with our VIP breakfast. And it is a beautiful space that I would hope that you can come to see. And it's an opportunity for us to explore an art fair in a very different context. The 1920s home that was built along the Cuban architectural vernacular, which means beautiful tiles, high ceilings, beautiful hand plastered features in the house. And the home does this wonderful thing also that as a space of developing a narrative, we are cultivating really an exhibition that's much more in tune with how a museum cultivates, cultivates an exhibition. In our case, we're taking the inspiration from Edouard Glissant. I hope you know Edouard Glissant. If you don't, please read. And we are looking at the, one of his early chapters called The Open Boat and exploring it in a way I think that's quite different for an art fair, which is to actually have a continuous story, art object by object. And the galleries are not cellularized. We are working together. And so when you come and visit the space, you'll be able to see and feel that. And, uh, and we also hope that for collectors, it's an enriching experience to see art in a home on their walls, like, uh, we'll, with, like we hope will be on their walls too. So that's a little bit about how we are here and what we're up to. I think what's interesting about what my work is too, and, I, um, and for anyone who's aspiring to do this type of work, is that I'm both gallery and fair. And I think it's quite fascinating for my own life journey to watch uh, what I'm doing to, I hope, maybe set up a new paradigm as well, that we can be players on two different levels at the same time. Um, so, ladies, digital empowerment, while we look at this digital age that we are in, it's interesting that we identify that power now, we recognize its importance, particularly as we all survived COVID and how much we relied on that space. But we've been in this space already and you guys have been here before me. And so it's, um, when we think about that journey, I wanted to, to ask each of uh, my, my partners here to speak a little bit about how did they get there? How did what and what have they learned along their way? What are the challenges that we have uh, addressed and are addressing? Um, and where are we going next? And so Rosie Gordon Wallace, you've got this massive reputation and um, networking and understanding of our region. And I think in a very profound way, your DBCAI really gets into places in interesting ways and interacts with artists in interesting ways. And then you leave imprints and the journey is one that is, has been very much almost like its own um, digital museum, right? Nomadic museum. Um, and I think that your work has been fascinating and I've followed you for years. And so when I had the opportunity now to start working with you more intimately, I'm just so honored. So thank you for all that you've done for the region. And I would love for you to take the mic now and tell us a little bit about your story. Thank you, Lisa, so much. It's good to have you in my city my town, my Creole city. 
Thank you all for coming. You could be anywhere else in this um, Art Basel week and that you've taken the time to come. I'm Rosie Gordon-Wallace. I'm the president and curator of Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator, an incubator space that went digital, as um, Lisa has just described, in 2018, primarily because of gentrification. There's just no other way to put it. We couldn't pay the rent. <laughs> and so um, we were in the Miami Design District, and we decided to go to a virtual format. And that virtual format allowed, it, allowed us to continue to work with the archipelago of islands that we'd worked with before and continue through to Suriname. I want to acknowledge my executive director behind. She's new um, and Tanya Dedun. And I am really thinking about what succession looks like. Um, I've, we've been doing this work since 1996, working with Caribbean artists, working with black artists, working with artists from the African diaspora, and the, the hands-on needing that we do comes through our mission. The mission states to nurture, to expose, to show their work, and to have an education component with them. So we're doing that through forums like this. And just a little tidbit, don't tell anybody. We are going to Bermuda, and we're going to be hosted by Lisa, March of 2024, um, 17 of us from Miami will go and go to Bermuda. And Bermuda, as you say, is kind of way off and people forget, but we didn't forget you. So how did we get to be um, virtual? The virtual format and IMLS, which is uh, one of our funders, um, designated this term nomadic museum, which I love because it allows you then to have a conversation about being in a museum and we're nomadic and we're digital. We also have to say to you that if you want to engage digitally, our archive, the 27 years of work, the archive is at the University of Miami, special collections. You just have to call and make an appointment and they'll bring the boxes out to you so that you can actually see it. And the University of Florida has a digital format called DLOC that we are doing. So what I'm sharing is not only are we digital in a physical sense, right? We are digital in the archival spaces of, the, of, of um, academia, which is where the scholars um, engage. And it gives us a kind of mobility that we wouldn't have if I had a physical space, to be very honest. So how do I get this word out to black and brown and others around the world? Um, we do it through podcasts. We do it through our virtual um, gallery exhibitions. And four times a year, we do a physical exhibition in Miami. We've done it in Denver, Colorado. We've done it in Washington, DC. So the format is not just digital. It's the primary way of um, communicating with you but we also do the pop-ups as well. So the journey makes us flexible. I can talk to my sister here in Haiti. I can talk to Lisa in Bermuda, all on this wonderful net. The last thing I want to say is how are we going to engage with AI? Because we're going to do Web5 soon. 
And I can't do it. I can only say it. But the young people are engaged in these formats. And it makes it really, really expansive for us to engage the world virtually. So next thing is coming up is Web5. And we're going to find a way to have an AI engagement with it as well. Absolutely. And, and Atlantic Art House is also hybrid, right? So we are in place in situ at the moment in Villa Paula until Sunday. And then we're already online. So it's, it's, I think that hybridization, I think, is likely the pattern, too, for where and how galleries will continue to function going forward. And Lisa, sorry, I, I forgot to say, we are in the Miami Design District through the 27th of December in a place that says Art Matters, Miami Matters. And um, our space, Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator, is looking at the lens 1996 to 2012. Art was here before Art Basel. Let me say it again. Art was here in Miami before Art Basel. And artists were working in their studios. So we're looking at that lens and showing the work that those artists did. So come and visit us. 75 Northeast 39th Street in the Miami Design District. Thanks for that prompt. Absolutely. Yeah. Do that prompt. <laughs> Let's have a moment to go over to Gail Monin. Welcome. I'm so glad you're able to join us. I know that initially when I made your proposal, you said, oh, you might be in Haiti. I don't know where I'm going to be. So thank you for being able to join us today. It's a delight that you're working with us at Atlantic Art House. I'm grateful for your push, your passion. You jumped right on board. We started, <laughs> we asked everybody to join us four weeks ago. <laughs> it's audacious. And I love that uh, you, you, you have no problem with audacity. <laughs> Yes, let's say I've become an expert in last-minute opportunities. So we go growing and grow. Up in, yeah, growing yeah, up in Haiti, it. exactly. Yeah, go so for it. to take a, you know, make a long story short, I'm third generation of a family of gallerists. Um, actually, that's my mom, second generation. It started with my grandparents. Um, so she, we started. The family immigrated from Switzerland and uh, started in 19, planted the gallery flag in 1956 in Haiti. And then eventually, you know, we had to work from the up ground. So this was definitely, everything is prior, prior digital where you just had to, you know, brick and mortar and do what you needed to do to get your business up and going. And at one point, we had the, the heyday of, I would say, of the gallery was in the 80s and 90s, where everything was bright. The, enough tourism, enough, you know, now experience within the art world, um, Haitian art being uh, featured um, in, in, um, in, in um, auctions and being sort of the star Haitian art of, you know, especially our region, you know, and even internationally. And then, uh, and then after, from then on, at one point it went, whoop, it plateaued. It's just kind of the cycle of our lovely country that keeps on going up. It's like the stock market goes up and down, up and down. Um, and so with the, when I come into the picture in the early you know, 2000s, I would say, and it was the beginning of internet, personally, uh, at first it was a way for me to be connected with the rest of the world because... You know, now it was still before access to digital, you know, it was a small island. It felt like a small island. And so that was the reason why, you know, I got online at, I don't know if you remember, it was a social network called A Small World, which allowed us to connect with other entrepreneurs around the world. 
And through that connection, through the digital world, I was able to meet a collector from London who said, hey, I'm half Dominican. I do... I go to San Domingo um, regularly, you know, do you want to come up for one of my parties? I'm like, listen, unfortunately, I can only travel if I can hang art at your house, you know. And then he was like, sure, why not? And that started an ongoing relationship. So that was just an example of how, you know, digital, just so from a personal point. Of, and then I just got kept on being interested with the new technologies. And so I feel like and we were pretty one of the first galleries to have a website online. Um, but for me, just, you know, being curious, learning about it and creating the platform. And so, which was great because then we were ready for the whole COVID period. And we were not rushing, you know, to get someone to do our website. We were already rolling and had some uh, experience there. And so, I mean, as of today, the importance of, being digital is, is for me primary because it's my main source of income. Because unfortunately, no one is really, you know, fighting to go to Haiti. So right now, it's my way of bringing Haiti to, to the rest of the world. So it's, it's, it's trying to catch up because at the same time, it feels a little bit um, challenging in the sense that, you know, we have so much stories and we've been around for so long and sometimes you know, you, we use the digital platform to amplify our message and our word. And at first you're kind of the newbie and it's, it's exciting, it's fresh. And, and then eventually you realize, oh, wow, it's, it's a whole, it's where I'm a small fish in a big pond, a digital pond. So now how, well, it's about how to, you know, um, grab break the people's noise. attention, exactly, break the noise. And then it creates a little frustration because, you know, we have the, the brand and, you know, we have, the great artist, the great art, the great collection, the great place to showcase. And right now I'm, we're thinking of how we have to relocate. Maybe, you know, the same way my parents immigrated from Switzerland, maybe now it's, it's you know, it's time for the gallery to move. But thanks to the, you know, the digital platform, it keeps that um, thread, the thread, the thread going. And allowing for you know connections and opportunities, so best, it definitely amplifies messaging and opportunities. And absolutely, grow. and I, I feel like there's a moment of hope, right? Because in this, in the, in the potential for social political despair, that by being online, you still have a, you like that thread, right? It's not an anchor. You you can still fly, um, and that potential for your business development is still there, and it's still and it's still and it's still happening. Yeah, Rosie, were you going to say something? No, not really. <laughs> I wanted to ju jump into uh, something we talked about before um, getting together today was around one of the things that we're, the paradigms that we continue to challenge, tropicalism. And in what ways um, has that been something that we continue to confront? And just to clarify that, I mean that people have a perception that going to the islands or anytime I might say Caribbean, that you just put a picture, in Bermuda's case, pink sand, and the goslings rum and you're having a rum swizzle um and what way are we actually working to challenge that and and how do we sort of see the market responding to it did you want to speak to that so in my case diaspora vibe cultural arts incubators case once you put the label of caribbean on the translation is that the work is cheap and and i'm not degrading the flea market in any way at all 
but that's the line of, of, of um, thinking. Or that you're only going to be presenting flowers and um, fauna um, and botanicals only. In truth and in fact, we have been dedicated to showing contemporary work from 1996. Our artists, Caribbean and black and brown artists here, have gone away to really prestigious schools. And they come back with or without their parents' permission and show contemporary work. And so a fair like Basel, just to bring it into the present day, validates the fact that this contemporary language is also ours. Because now I'm seeing after 27 years, many Caribbean artists being featured in the main fair and in the main galleries to my greatest delight. I saw Hugh Locke today um, coming from London and you know, I've known Hugh from the 70s when we were in university together. So, so that's one thing. The, the, the branding of the work has to improve. And I don't know if it's only because of the online branding. We have to find a way that when we define Caribbean work, we don't have to do the subtext. So we can say an artist from Bermuda of such and such genre is doing work in this medium and hence the price is 55,000, right? And not get this, the, the, the jitter from, from the audience when they see it. Because in truth and in fact, the definition is being, as I said, defined through the Caribbean lens. So I encourage the artists that we work with to work from their heads and their hearts, um, to do the work that they want, the stories that they want to tell. The stories are cultural stories. You can't come from Africa and be telling the story of Switzerland. No, no disrespect, right? And, and do it authentically. Right? You have to be able to tell your own stories. And so it is very pleasing to me when I go around, even on the wall, and you see figurative work that looks like us that you can place on your wall. You can see work made by sequins that you see in Haiti. And it doesn't only have the Caribbean brand. And this brand is being adopted just like our cuisine, Right? Everybody's using papaw now and ginger. You go to a restaurant and they mango and ginger. It's the same thing happening with um, contemporary work. So I'm proud to say, Lisa, that the artists have done their part. They've gone to the schools that we want them to go to. They've come back. And through the many challenges, they are continuing to define a contemporary language that has a Caribbean aesthetic. Right? They're not shying away from it. And I'm hoping that with the digital support, we will have a greater understanding and fluidity of what that work means. Yes, to, to add to this, I think exactly that. We need the, to go through the ed education. So it feels like we need to dive into the cliche and sort of discomp, discomp like just exactly, to like deconstruct it so we can get out of the cliche, because that's the one thing that even when you, you, we go down to the, my artists that are Haitian, and oh, you're a Haitian artist, at the end of the day, they like to answer, no, I'm just an artist. And so that's what we would like to achieve, that's what we need to achieve, or that's where we're... So I'm gonna push back a little bit, because you know, the thing is that nationality matters, and folks from our region are perhaps some of the few people who are being asked to redefine themselves. 
Um, our Jewish counterparts are very proud to say I'm from Israel. I am from here. I am from that region. Um, so I have no problems with saying I'm Jamaican and I live in Miami and I'm a Caribbean woman. I have no problem saying it. And I think that we have to just be bold. You know, this is your nationality. We're citizened through the green card system here, right? If you're coming from the Caribbean. But the work, the work has to be rigorous. The work has to be strong. The work has to be relevant. The work has to speak to the now. And so I define the strength of the work as the work. Exactly. And of course, people can do whatever they want. They can say, I'm, I don't want to be defined as a Jamaican artist, and I understand. But that is not the preferred way in, in how I speak about the work. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what we were saying earlier with Lisa. You yeah. just, it's basically finding opportunities to step out of the digital, come into a physical space, and let the works speak for themselves. Yeah, and absolutely. Well, we also have to give credit, too, to the curators at the museums that continue to shape very thoughtful narratives and to be positioned, you know, to see that fabulous exhibition, just to, we should throw out a few names here, the Tate Modern, to the MCA Chicago, uh, AGO. Museum. Paris Art, exactly. MOCA. And, uh, of course. Yeah. And so we also, in, in this ecosystem of culture and this ecosystem of the art market, there's almost like a... Uh, Venn diagram that's overlapping circles, right? Where we have museum and scholarly approach, and it's overlapping with the museum space, overlapping with the with um, the, the global art market. I, I love that we ha I have a collector here that I haven't met in person other than until this moment. That if I hadn't been online, we wouldn't have met. You wouldn't have acquired that work. I just recently sent work to Taiwan. How is it possible? And it was because we're in that digital space. Um. I wanted to also talk about shared assets and the ways in which uh, we have potential for doing more by working together. I know I'm, almost, I'm aware of the time. I know collaboration is where I started, but I think it's also collaboration where we want to end to as well, because we're all actually working presently on projects that are collaborative. And I just want to know if we can talk a little bit about how um, sharing our assets is something that we can think about as um, not just business professionals, we're all trying to make some money. Well, yeah. well, Lisa, we can tell our story. I met, I met you online, and then we met in Nassau. I we swiped right. I, I swiped right. Um, we went to, in, to Nassau to the museum. Was it the, the Caribbean conference that we were at? We were at Tilting Access. Oh, Tilting Access. Thanks. Yeah, thanks and to then, the Paris Art Museum. And then recently we were in Nassau again. At the Museum Association of the Caribbean. Museum at Association. At the National uh, Art Gallery of Bahamas. You can and tell she's younger than me because she can <laughs> remember, right? But um, we met again in, in Nassau and started talking about projects that we, had, we could do together. Today I was with Clarissa from Alternate Roots. And we were brainstorming about projects we can do together. We cannot do it alone. Collaboration is, is the, the connecting methodology for us to move from a salmon um, swimming upstream alone. If we're going to survive, we need technology. We need innovation. We need collaboration. And we need funds. And it doesn't have to be in that order, right? And it's nice if you like the person or persons that you're working with as well, because it just makes it easier. 
But as I travel around the region, black and brown curators are kicking up the sand. They are doing some amazing work. And so I look forward to doing more work with you. Haiti is hard now. Haiti is hard. Now, I did a lot of work in Haiti in the early days. But we can do it online. I can send you stuff. You can send me stuff. We can look at our programs together. So we have to figure out ways that make sense, economic sense, and that um, there is no fear. We cannot work with fear, right? Well, Gail said to me and to <laughs> Vanessa that if yeah. we weren't afraid, then we weren't setting our goals high enough. I just love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't work with fear. Um, ideas fuel my every day. And I, am, I'm, I'm really, I really feel so privileged to be given the trust by these wonderful creators to touch their work and move the work and um, have them sit and ask an opinion. Uh, it, it's just a nice feeling. It's just wonderful, you know? Yes, basically just find Lisa. <laughs> you're saying, you, the you, hashtag you, find Lisa <laughs> you keep saying that to me it's kind of overwhelming but I think what we're looking at is how we can work together right and I want to just give a credit moment to Turn Gallery that's just down a few paces here to our friends uh, the current who are in scope you know we've got some fabulous uh, presentations happening here for audiences to experience not only the projects that we're working and, on. And we have a uh, Haitian artist that's being showcased at the uh, at our fair at Villa Paola, at Atlantic Art House, who's showcasing here at Untitled. Uh, Adler Guerrier, who's in booth A7, I think. But that's, yeah. also, but that's also important to note as well, is that I, I find that the, the galleries that are from the region working with artists, we're not looking to own anybody. And this is a part of the, 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 the business model I think that's very different is we're looking to elevate our artists, setting them free. If any of the artists I'm working with and two have, they've, been, they've sort of been swooped up and they're going and growing. How fabulous. I agree. I'm not looking to anchor and own. And I think it's almost so antithetical to the idea of where and how we were created as cultures by people who were owned. <laughs> yeah. How would we possibly want to do that to our creatives or anybody else in our contemporary society? So um, I just feel that spirit of things is very much at the heart of it. And I'm not sure why we always seem to be women. <laughs> you know, once in a while, Carol was with us, you know, for one, for one iteration of the Atlantic World Art Fair. But you have John Cox in Nassau John doing Cox, work. absolutely. Um, yeah. But you're right. We're primarily women, maybe because we're the ones that are taking the risk. Um, but I want to call out Sheena Rose here, um, Vicky Pierre, if I start call, Reginald, um, the, the main fair, um, Jared McGriff. The, there are so many um, artists that DBCAI um, worked with in our residency that I feel like a grandmother watching them just blossom and blow. But to your point, we don't own them. The artist is the asset, and they're going to go on the stock market the way that the stock market responds to them as well. We talked about the elephant in the room of our development. What's the number one challenge? We all have one word. It starts with an F. It's funding. And, you know, and <laughs> getting and really getting to the root of that, you know, finding the corporate partners for the investors, people who understand and believe in the vision who really want to see us go and grow. That's really where this podcast needs to end as well, with a hand out in terms of a willing to shake 
and make and grow and do. We're not looking to be a handout and we're not just going to, you know, it's not a state of impoverishment we're looking at. We're need, we need farmers. We need people who understand investment and taking, planting these seeds of development so that our artists can go from small space island, uh, uh, you know, small spaces to global spaces. And that through all of that opportunity becomes a global opportunity, right? That with greater cultural inter intersectionality, greater global communication and working together, for me feels that that's desperately what our planet world needs. Not just the creative world, but the whole world. And that we don't also overlook the opportunity for beauty. I love walking through some of the spaces today to see that we haven't lost sight of something that's really important to our existence in islands, is to look out of our windows and to have that beauty. We don't want to find ourselves returning to the stereotype and the tropes of beauty so much as we recognize that that is also one of the value adds of our, of our cultures. Um, yeah. I, I just want to say, I want to encourage funders to recognize that nothing happens without design. From your packaging, from your product, nothing happens without design. And design equals artists. Yet it is so difficult for corporate sponsors to take a chance on us. You know, um, it's, I work with the Caribbean artists here and I work in the region all the way over to Suriname. I have to call out Suriname. It is so difficult to get even a beer sponsor, Lisa, to take a lead sponsorship with up. So our foundations, I have to say, the Knight Foundation, Miami Dade Cultural Affairs, the Mellon, and the Warhol are the ones that have the burden. But you need corporate, you need private, and you need, you need individuals to step up and say, this work is worthy. I, I want to partner equally with you as you do the dance. So I agree, we'll end on the corporate, on the corporate piece. <laughs> Come and see proof of products. We have several proof of products to see what we can achieve. And if we are shifting the paradigm and we're embracing more, and thank you all for joining us too, right? That your, your presence is an affirmation of what we are intending to achieve. And so I just want to thank you all so much for, for listening. I don't know, Gail, do I want to take the final word if you have something to add? That's it. It's important to work with reputable gallerists and dealers. That's because that's to kind of close the chapter on the digital asset because it, the same way it amplifies, you know, all the, the messaging and the opportunities, it amplifies also, you know, the bad art and the copies. And, the, and so it's very important as a collector to be, to really work with reputable galleries and institutions. I cannot insist on that. And, you know, stay away from eBay. <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> thank you all again. Thank, thank you, you for Untitled. coming. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> Other questions? Curious, at least you said Paramaribo. Yes. Um, Guyana is finding its feet yes. again. They had a wonderful time in the 70s, and now they're sort of finding their feet again. But they don't have any, to my knowledge, any kind of outreach to other galleries within that hemisphere. And I wonder whether, as they are right on the crown of the Atlantic, whether they would be included in that. And if so, who do I send them to? 
So Diaspora by Cultural Arts Incubator has done a lot of work in Suriname and we cross over to French Guyana because of that museum that they have on the pinnacle. You can go illegally across on the canal. Um, recently, we have an ambassador from Barbados, Donna Ford, who is in Guyana. And we have been talking about the triangle, Barbados, Miami, Guyana. So it's happening. It's just harder because um, people perceive Guyana as far. But it's four hours away. I, you know, I go to Suriname, so it's four hours away. But we can talk, CC. We can talk about that. And thank you for taking the time to come and see us. Thank you. And a final um, plug. And of course, if until you can come and visit us in person in Haiti, you can find us online to our digital platforms. Uh, we are on Instagram at Gallery Monet and our website, which is uh, Gallery in French, G-A-L-E-R-I-E, and our last name, Monin, M-O-N-N-I-N.com. DVCAI.org and at Instagram at DVCAI. What? Oh, and LinkedIn. See the young people and LinkedIn. You can find us on LinkedIn. Are we on TikTok? No. And Babaloo? What is the one that goes up and down? We're not on that one. Okay. So www.dvcai.org at dvcai for um, Instagram and LinkedIn. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. And you're so welcome. Susie's, you should tell about Susie's as well. And so. Susie's great. Susie Wong presents, uh, and it is her gallery is called Susie Wong Presents. In Jamaica, in She's, Kingston, Jamaica. She resides in Jamaica, but she's a digital platform entirely. Another inventory like mine. I am blackponygallery.com, atlanticarthouse.com, both entities also on Instagram. Lovely to have you. Podcast, thank you so much. Everybody, all the best success for this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.